Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Coming up on today's episode, we break down the loss against Calgary and where the Jets go with four games left in the regular season. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, let's get right into it here, breaking down the biggest game of the season, but unfortunately not the biggest positive result of the season for the Winnipeg Jets. They fall to the Calgary Flames 3-1 Wednesday night, and we're all tied up for the final wild card spot with three or four games left to go in the season. So plenty to get into here. We'll break it all down for you guys right now. We're not waiting for a second. CJOB's Tyson Rewicki is here as well. Tyson was down at the rink today. How's it going first off, Tyson? Um I guess what was it like being in person at the big matchup tonight? Well, it's going not great right now. Yeah, that's, uh, that's fair. I like that. There, there's some money spent on tickets. There's some money lost on some other extracurriculars. But uh, I will say that this was one of the – I've been at a, quite a few Jet games this year. This was by far the most sold-out crowd. There there really wasn't that many empty seats in the building. And that, that's good to see, but it's just a shame that there really wasn't that much to cheer about in that game. There wasn't really a heck of a whole lot that happened, you know, outside of the first period. Yeah, you know what, Tyson? Not not a whole lot happened for a game that was billed by both sides as do or die, must win, can't lose, whatever cliche you want to throw out there. Um, I don't think you would have known it <laughs> if you just watched the game and, and had to make a guess as to what point of the season it took place in. And for me, it comes down to this from the Jets' perspective. Because, look, we, we did hear both sides say, you know, Daryl Sutter said this is like a game seven for us. Rick Bonus said the same thing. This We have to treat this like a game seven. And the players echoed those sentiments as well. And, I mean, the fan, everybody, every, everybody looked at this as essentially a game seven. How are you going to react? How are you going to respond in that kind of a situation? I'll tell you what, Tyson, the Winnipeg Jets sure played like it was a Game 7. Problem was, it was Game 7 of the regular season back in late October. It wasn't Game 7 of a playoff series, and it wasn't Game 7 a la Game number 78 with essentially a wild card ticket ready to be booked for you guys if you go out there and pull off the W. Outside of a handful of scrums and things like that, Again, I just find myself wanting and and disappointed by the lack of intensity by the Winnipeg Jets. And it's funny, too, because the guy that was arguably the most intense or engaged kind of disappointed me for different reasons. (laughs) And we'll get to that guy a little bit later on in the show. 
But I mean, come on, where was where was the team that pumped in six past the Red Wings and then six more past the New Jersey Devils just a couple nights ago? That that team, that team was there on Wednesday night. We're talking about the Winnipeg Jets all but eliminated the Calgary Flames from playoff contention. But the problem, once again, that we see with this core group of players and this team is that you get that group one night, and then you get this group for another night. Which night is it going to come in? We have no idea. But you can never get a grasp on where this team is headed. And while you'll have some major ups like we saw a few nights ago, there will be just as many, if not more, downs. And I'll tell you what, Tyson, even if they do find a way to squeak in here with a couple games left to go, if you're playing a game seven and, and that's that's the best effort you got, I don't know if it matters which team they go up against in round one. And I, I don't think it's going to go to a game seven in that first round series. But it's um might, might not be four games left in the Jets season, but I don't think it's going to be any more than eight, nine or ten games left in the Winnipeg Jets season. What do you think? Well, well it's funny to think, too, that for the most part, the Jets do still have a fairly good chance of making the playoffs all things considered, right? Like they, the flames are going to have to outpoint the jets by one point in their next three games compared to the jets four and flames probably have to win out still. Right. Right. And it's, I mean, the jets do have a couple of tough games, especially at the end of the season with the Minnesota Colorado games, but you do have San Jose sprinkled in there where you can, that's another tough one. You see, I mean, this season you've struggled (laughs) with San Jose and it should be a team that, but real, if you win that San Jose game, you have a legitimate. That's pretty much all you need to do. But it's just at this point in the season, when you do have an opportunity to all but eliminate the only team that has a chance to knock you out of the playoffs, and you come out with such a. And it was weird because there were so many points early on in the first period where you can kind of build off of some momentum that they were getting. Like there was a lot of penalty kills, there was a power play goal that we haven't seen in a long time, and there was some scrums in there, but. It, and I, we were talking a little bit, a little bit about this before we hopped on here, but it almost seems like the physicality and the scrums kind of dis, disengaged some players and have had some guys with their heads elsewhere and trying to almost emulate a playoff atmosphere instead of playing with the playoff atmosphere. And I think that's a, that's sort of the problem with this team is that you have to play with that intensity. You can't just kind of show that in between whistles and show that hey, we're. we're we, it's not that we don't care about this about this game, but at the same time, it's like you need to really show that you do care. It's not just in between the whistles. It's about playing hard for the yeah. first 50 minutes. And I like to, to me, I'll say the word stupid. Being stupid after the whistle isn't intense. Like that's not intensity. Right. Right. Whether or not you, you're actually going in there with bad intentions, that that to me means diddly squat. Like I, I could care less what you do, but like once the whistle goes off and some guy punches somebody and then a wrestling match, what what does that have to do with the puck going in the net? What does that have to do with you guys making it difficult on the Flames inside their own zone? Right? Like I, I just I, I don't buy that, and I didn't I didn't think the Jets did enough in the game to pressure Calgary. And you know, watching the game the prior night, Chicago played better than the Jets did, which is a cardinal sin, right? Like it's just it's not good enough, and and they should. There, there should be a level of embarrassment on that team, to be honest, that the Jets didn't put more put more fear into the Calgary Flames, that they didn't make life a lot harder on them. Because this is a Flames team that, by all measures, isn't very good. 
like it's not Calgary like last year. And, you know, it's not like out east where there's a couple of good wildcard teams where they can make life really, really difficult for you. This this Calgary team has no business being anywhere near the playoff picture. And they show that in a big way against Chicago the previous night. But it just felt like it was another regular season game for the Winnipeg Jets. And you just you can't have that. Like, like good teams don't have that in them. And I'm just... It's just so tiring and so sickening watching this play out time and time again. Different opponents, different nights. Just when they think they turn the corner, it's one step forward, 19 steps back. It's just really, really frustrating. And, and I, I thought the Jets kind of had turned a corner. I got full, I got Charlie Brown once again. Lucy lifted the football up, and I went to kick it, and I missed. Wide left, like Westy. <laughs> right, like it's. It, it, I I don't know why I keep falling for it. But they played so good there. You you, you thought that hey, you bring ninety percent of that effort over into Calgary, team on the second end of a back to back, and this should be easy pickings. And and yet, Markstrom made a couple of good saves, but nothing nothing too crazy. Right, it was a lot of perimeter shots for the Winnipeg Jets, a lot of power play struggles once again, um, but just nowhere near the battle that it should have been. Right. And and that that's one thing as well. If if the Jets went in, you know what, they they took some licks, they handed out some, and it was a tight one, they lose it. You could almost live with that a little bit. But can you name a, a hit a jet made on the night? Outside of Pierre Luc Dubois almost blasting Anderson ten feet through the boards yeah. the first minute oh, of the game. Like yeah, I, I, I don't remember one. It's it's a little off topic for here, but quickly, but we I think we feel like we have to address it is just the booing for Rasmus Anderson. It, yeah, like idiocy i that's a dirty like i'm sorry it i think it should have been a two-minute penalty and that's what it was but it's a dirty play like the guy he hit him in the if you're when you're a defenseman in the nhl and you're going hard into a puck battle along the boards at the end wall and a guy's come and you're both going full speed and the guy he hit him in the numbers it's not like he it was from the side or he like he pushed him right in the numbers and that's a dangerous play yeah. there in that area without like, the puck just... without the puck as well like interference boarding he, Dubois just lucky Anderson got his feet like went feet first into the boards right because like in a different you know maybe a different universe there he goes head first and then it's you know complete chaos right. and all that he, lay, Again, he lays on the ice can't do that he lays on the ice that's a five minute major. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, 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 and I thought I thought that too in the moment that if 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 Anderson just stays down, trainers come out like there's a chance that it's five minutes, you know, for the Calgary Flames with the power play there. But again, I mean, <laughs> it, it it was a it was an odd night for Dubois, who was kind of all over the place, some good, some bad. But he, I, as bad as that penalty was, at least he was out there doing stuff. I can't say that for ninety five percent of the team. It was it was it was just it was so listless. Like I I I just I can't believe the effort they put out there. It wasn't that they weren't trying. It was just that there's there's a difference between going out there and, and playing hard and then delivering playoff like intensity. Like it's it, it's night and day. When you I guarantee you any playoff matchup that we watch that starts off the the, the NHL postseason, not including the Winnipeg Jets, watch that game. And see what happens, and you'll be like, "Holy crap! I can't believe that the Jets are going to have to try and amp up the intensity like this night in, night out." It, it, it's just it's so. And even watching like Tampa Bay, New York, in in, in their game tonight, Tice for for a game that means zippo to either of those two teams, 
they went out there and they kicked the crap out of each other, right? And and they like they went toe to toe like a boxing match, and were just it was blow after blow after blow. This one, it was like a, a, a UFC match where the guys just circle each other for three minutes, ding ding ding, circle circle circle, ding ding ding, and you're like, do, do you not want the belt? Like, do you not want to do anything out there? It was just too much waiting, too much waiting for the game to come to the Jets instead of going out there and grabbing it and taking it for themselves. Yeah, and, and the difference between teams like Tampa and the Rangers and Calgary and Winnipeg right now is I think that there is a lot of there's some there's some internal discourse there for both teams for Calgary and for a team like Calgary whose season is on the line, like they need to win this game. It wasn't like they came in and played yeah. balls to the wall and absolutely dominated the Winnipeg Jets. Like it was it's a close game and it was just more so just kind of like a you said earlier, game seven of the regular season, like early on in the season where both these teams kind of don't have anything to play for, but it's the exact opposite. And that's where our concerns over the past couple months have really, are really starting to come forward, especially as we wind down the season and the fact that you might have to play a playoff series against a really good team. Like you're going to have to play against a team that Mike, that's going to be in the, that's going to bring that intensity each and every game. And are you going to be able to match that? Or are you just going to be able to fold? And at this point, there's guys there who have been called out and they start to play a little bit better and then you regress back to the mean. And it's just how, how this regression shouldn't be happening this much with a, with a group of guys who have been in the league for a long time, have been on deep playoff runs. It's unacceptable at this point in the season and it just doesn't provide Jets fans any hope for any sort of playoff run coming forward. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, it's not... You know, will they get in? Will they? Or, you know, won't they get in? That sort of thing. It's just how, 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 how can you put any faith in them to to win four games against a strong opponent? Right? I, I, I just, I, I guess technically it can happen. Um, the odds won't be great in their favor, but it can happen. And and weirder things have happened in the postseason before. But just from a realistic perspective, there, there there's no reason to get jacked up about this team because they can't get jacked up for a performance. You know, in a, in a game of that magnitude, it's it's just it's it's hard to to really really put everything you got behind them here. And you're right too, Tyson. That that's what also makes this doubly frustrating is that Calgary didn't play great either. Like Cal- Calgary was fine. They like that. That's probably the best the best I can give them. It's just that fine was good enough on this night. So again, it just adds another layer of of frustration to watching this one. On top of that, too. You know what I think this game could have used a little bit more of Tyson? Um, penalties. Probably could have called about 50 more penalties, right? Like, could we get another power play to watch, please? I mean, that that did suck a lot of the life out of the game as well. You know, I I mean, a lot of the penalties were were warranted. I mean, I it, like it, there was a part of me that's like, all right, enough. Like, can we just get some five on five? But at the same time, like in the third period there, when Dylan puts his his stick between skates, like it, you got to call that. It's it sucks that it's the march to the penalty box, but there were some pretty blatant ones and 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 some really stupid ones as well. I mean, uh, how it, funny, it kinda, but, go ahead. How funny was Lucic though after that high sticking penalty? Oh first? I forget I forget who it was on, but he's like, he's like lighting, yeah. you could see him say to the ref like, "Come on, come on, man! Like, what is that? You just stabbed the guy in the face yeah. and cut him open? Like, I don't know. I just, what. Spear, I just speared him in the skull." And why am I being penalized for? Th- yeah, that was. And Lucic was lucky too. He didn't get a penalty on his first sh- first shift of the game when he ran somebody like through the numbers, like right in front of the ref, and the refs don't call that one. So I mean, there could have there could have been 
it could have been basically an entire five on four 60 minute game if, if the refs really wanted to there. Um, but you know, the, the problem that also makes it a little unwatchable from a Winnipeg perspective is, you know, the penalty kills great and it was outstanding once again against Calgary. Uh, the power play just can't get it done. Just, just can't get it done. Right. Like if the power play is sharp in that game, it, it, it could have buried the flames midway through the second period there. Um, but just outside of one brief flash of brilliance, they just don't generate a whole lot. That, that's that's the problem. They don't generate a whole lot of chances. They don't get a lot of shots and pucks and traffic towards the net. A lot of hope plays, poor zone entries, and it, it, it just zaps all the energy and the life out of the crowd. And it seemed like the, the Jets, you know, effort intensity play level kind of zapped and, and, and lost a fair bit of it as well as they continued to struggle with the man advantage. I have a question for you about the, the difference in special teams and how yeah. they're performing. So obviously with the penalty kill, there's some guys who are a little lower in the lineup on those on those units. Do you think there's sort of a I'm trying to I'm trying to think of the right word, but there's sort of a, a one when when the Jets are on a power play, especially with their top unit, I feel like there's sort of a we'll figure this out as we go. That this is uh we're that we're skilled enough that well the seams will open up and we'll be able to generate our own chances no matter what. And we don't necessarily need coaching or a scheme or, or structure right yeah. and and with the penalty kill you do notice that structure you do notice that scheme and that and that willingness to play within that scheme and compete and i to me that's like that's a telltale sign of what is wrong with this team and how there's guys on the team that can buy in and and perform at a high level and then there's guys who should be performing at high levels who aren't able to compete at that level yeah, and, and you know, for, for me, power plays especially are, are all about, I mean, penalty, I would say special teams is just, you know, simply structure system related. Like we see awful teams all the time have great power plays. Um, not so good teams have amazing penalty kills as well. And we see teams like, I mean, the Maple Leafs, for example, their, their power plays stunk for like four years. They might have, like, talent-wise, one of the best five-man units in the NHL, and they can't they can't put the puck in the net. But you're telling me that you don't want Matthews and Mark, right? Like, so I, I do think there is a lot of systemic issues that that stem from the Jets' power play woes, which is also funny too because the lone goal in the night was literal perfection. <laughs> like that, like that that whole sequence was such high-level skill hockey that it almost makes you want to tear your hair out because they can do the most difficult things where you come into the zone with speed. There was about four one-touch passes, bing, 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 bing. And then Ehlers, with an out-of-this-world cross-seam pass, rips it to Connor. And then Connor, I mean, able to one time, first off, like connect heavily on a pass that hard, which is extremely difficult to do. But not only that, then to the I mean, top corner pinpoint accuracy. That that whole sequence was like all world power play hockey, and then they just stink after that. Like they can't do anything. They can't set any play up. They're not able to get any shooting lanes open. Like it, it's it's it must make the coaching staff go absolutely ballistic watching that. Where you know the skill is there. You see a play like that, and there's very few teams in the NHL that would have been able to score on that specific goal that the Jets ultimately got there. But those other teams would have went two for six on the other part of the Jets' power plays, right? Like that—that's again the inconsistency. It just plagues this team all over the place, and um, 
I think, I mean, the, the power plays killed them in the, in the second half of the season. And maybe if they would have got a couple of goals on the power play in this one, you know, it's, it's two, one, two, nothing in the second period, the crowd's buzzing. Maybe we're talking about a completely different game, but that again, plays a role into the jets, just failing to get any traction going and then failing to put up more than two, three goals on the score sheet once again. Yeah. And, and the worst part is you could tell that the fans, especially being in the building, that, that people were waiting for somebody to cheer for. Like that, like that opening anthem was very, you could tell that there was a buzz in the building. And even from that opening, those the first opening minutes, you could tell that the players understood what was on the line in this game. And just to see the game devolve into what it did very quickly after. And like you mentioned, the, the penalty kill, I mean, the power plays did play a part and kind of slowing the game down and kind of creating the, what the game ended up going into. But there was a lot of chance to where there was some shifts where you could pick up momentum on and it just didn't happen to carry over. Yeah. And yeah. as a team that's that, that wants to have Stanley Cup aspirations, you need to continue to build on that momentum as the game goes on to really continue those chances to keep coming. And to me, this is just a team that's not there. They're, they're just a team that's not there. And when you have a one foot in, one foot out on kind of the we're competing, but we want to also kind of want to build from within and continue to build. That's just a recipe for disaster. You have to be one foot in. You have to be two feet in for whatever way you want to go in. You can't just have this half, this half-assed approach to things where it's sort of, well, how the, however the season goes is how we're going to adjust, and then we might, we may or may not adjust. We may may or may not make moves based on how the season's going, depending on what we think is right for this team. And it's just, it, it's just hurting this team. There's just too many players. There's too many pieces on this team that are actively hurting the team going forward and it's we're reaching the point where we're, we're all starting to kind of get used to the idea that this is going to be a brand new team next year. Yeah, watch your language there, Tyson, by the way, that is just, I know, I know emotions <laughs> are high after a big loss like that, but we, we, we can't, we can't be stooping down to, to the lowest common denominator here. So let's, let's, <laughs> let's try to keep it a little family friendly. I would never, I, I don't know what came of, came of me right there. I would, I've never done that before in my life. That's all right. That's all right. We'll just we'll we'll learn and we'll grow from our mistakes. Um, you know what else really itched my ass in this one, Tyson? <laughs> what? <laughs> I think. Oh, I mean, it, it's only been a couple of games, I guess. So I was going to say for the first time, but I mean, I, I didn't like it to begin with, and I, I thought it hurt the Jets in this one. But the uh, the top six line combinations, if if that can come to an end, that would be great. Well, um, and, and, and Vlad Nemeskov, there was a lot of shifts where Kevin Stanley was taking those. those well, shifts and, and this, the, yeah, so this is another part of it as well that, that I was going to get to is that the top six needs, like this experiment needs to end. Um, but didn't didn't love the work by Rick Bonus in this game. Um, don't like the line combinations right now. Don't like the fact that Nikolai Ehlers, for the nine trillionth time as a Winnipeg Jet, is playing as much as Kevin Stenland, Mason Appleton, name your third or fourth liner. He is the only player that seemingly gets screwed out of ice time whenever there's special teams. Um, nobody else is, but but Nikolai Ehlers, who, by the way, leads this team in uh, points per minute, even strength, and on the power play. But, hey, let's make sure we limit him to 13, 14 minutes a night. Um, but, the, yeah, the, the constant worrying of and, and strategic of, of face-offs it's just like come on like 
what are what are we doing here? Why are we why are we prioritizing faceoffs to make sure that we take off one of the most impactful dynamic players that that this team has? It, it, it's just it's ludicrous. And I, I always think too that when you do things like that, it, it it messes up with the chemistry and like trying to get in the in the flow of the game too. If you're one of the wingers out there, where hey, I got to come off. Oh, he's coming back on. I'll I'll jump on mid shift. Now we got to try and find my spot. I only got 20 seconds left before we need to change. Right? Like it, it just it throws everything off off kilter there. Um, so I yeah I, I just I was not a fan of the ice time distribution. Not a fan of. Let's have two sentiment out there at all times. If you want to do that in the final 10 minutes, that's great. Not through the first 50. I think that's just overkill. And I just didn't think the team looked sharp there. And I think if you want to go, let's say, three and one through this final four games here, and you want to be a little more dangerous up and down your lineup, I know that second line had a couple of good games on the weekend there. I, I thought Wheeler was was horror in this game i didn't i didn't think domestikov was all that good either and and that's not really his fault because he's not a second line player <laughs> like he's he's supposed to be somebody that either beefs up your third line or supercharges your fourth line but they're right. asking him to do so much more than i think he's capable of right now i think your your only chance here down the stretch is your top two centers are shifley dubois and we got to figure out what the 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 wingers are for each of those guys after but i i just don't think they're gonna and, and even when it comes to playoff time, like if if they do get through there, the whole reason you built this team this way was to have the one-two punch of Shifley Dubois down the middle. It seems so counterintuitive to then finally get to where you want to go and then say, ah, actually, they're going to be on the same line, and we'll see what happens. Well, and, and you picked up Vlad Nemestikov to bolster your wing depth in the bottom six, and he's your second-line center. Like, that's... the. The center depth wasn't the problem with this team, but it became a problem with how the certain players are playing. And and I've I've said this a couple times before too on a couple earlier earlier episodes this week. But like like what's Kyle Connor doing that Ehlers isn't? Yeah, like it's just to me, I feel like Ehlers is at least coming into the games with a mindset of let's play like let's I I do have game breaking ability, but I need to kind of rein it in and kind of and play within our system to give our team the best chance to win. And I feel like he's applying his talents more so to the team scheme and to the team how the team wants to play, as opposed to a guy like Kyle Connor, who's and I love Kyle Connor. He's got dynamic talent. He's just been floating around there the past two and a half months. He hasn't. He just hasn't been producing like we're used to, and he's not. And it's not even just. The production is is concerning. The lack of intensity and the lack of effort is way more concerning than what the number the, the what the goal numbers are showing right now for Kyle Connor. And you just wonder is this is this because of what's been going on with the team the past couple months? Are guys getting fed up, or is are guys getting fed up with what's being preached from within? Like it's just there's well, so it's 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 I think the same thing that we saw the last couple see it, it it appears like there's a different set of standards for different players and and that that absolutely ripped this team apart last season to the point of mutiny <laughs> and I think it's playing a part into the second half swoon that we're seeing from this club right now is it just certain certain standards apply to certain players and I I don't know what the answer is Tice like I I I really don't because. Again, and this isn't a, a converse Ehlers thing necessarily. It's just like get your best guys the most ice time, and if you lose, you lose. <laughs> it's that, it's that simple. 
And I think down the stretch here, that, that's got to be the main goal. If it's Dubois, either's Connor on a line, that's great. Go ahead and do that. But to me, you got to split up Shafley and Dubois. That's your one-two punch down the middle. Niederreiter's got to come into the top six on one of the two lines there. And Ehlers has to be playing over 18 minutes a night. I, th- I think you solve a lot of problems, a lot of problems that we've seen in the past just by making those moves right there. And if you go down, you go down. There's not much you can do about it. But again, Kevin Chevalier built this forward group with one, one main tenet in mind, and that was Shifley Dubois a one-two punch could be as good as anybody else has out there in the West outside of Edmonton. Um, so if you think that way, go that way. Like, like go go down in what you believe in. We'll we'll see what Rick Bonus has up his sleeve when the Jets get back at it later on in the weekend. And we'll uh, wrap up the episode there, Tyson, with a look at what's to come now. Four games for the Jets, three for the Calgary Flames, tied in points. The Jets do have a pretty significant edge in the ROW tiebreaker. So like we said there, pretty likely Calgary has to win out barring a complete Winnipeg collapse here, but Calgary pretty much has to win out and then hope that the Jets go two and two. Winnipeg hosts a couple of teams below the playoff line in the next little bit. Saturday night against Nashville. Monday night against San Jose, which again, uh, worst team in the league, but the Jets can't beat them. So like, uh. so that's sure. their next two at home. And then the Jets close it out on the road Tuesday in Minnesota. Thursday against Colorado. We'll see how much those teams have to play for. Probably a lot because right now Avalanche starts wild, all tied with 98 points. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that. Calgary, meanwhile, with three games to go. Vancouver on the road and then a home back-to-back Nashville San Jose prediction right now, Tyson, do the Winnipeg Jets still get into the playoffs? Yes. With less games and with less games to play and not having the tiebreaker. I just find it tougher. I just don't think, I just don't see a team like Calgary really putting together three straight wins here. Uh, your, your mic sounds awful right now, Tyson. So why don't you just turn it off for now and I'll uh, kind of take us uh, through the whole stretch here. I, I just don't want to you know give you any extra work or have people listen to, to some static to close out the episode there. But I, I agree. And again, it's more picking against Calgary than it is picking for the Winnipeg Jets. I, I just don't think Calgary goes 3-0 here. They should, but I don't think they do <laughs> as, as evidenced by their lost to Chicago in their barely victorious outing against Anaheim the night prior to that. So I, I think Calgary goes two and one. I don't, I don't even know Tyson if the Jets go three and one. <laughs> I, I really don't, but I think if Calgary goes two and one, the Jets find a way to go two and two, and that'll be enough to just squeak them into the postseason there. So um, I guess that's a silver lining. <laughs> the Jets aren't bad enough to miss the playoffs. That that's that's the level of optimism we'll go in here to wrap up the episode and uh, head into a holiday weekend. Uh, we'll, we'll 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 try to lean on that as a little bit of positivity to get us uh, through the next couple of days here. So we'll wrap it up there, and I will thank you once again for tuning in to another episode of Skates and Plates here on the Hockey Podcast Network. When we get back at it, it'll be Tuesday morning, and we'll be breaking down a pair of Jets games for you guys. The one Nash- the one against Nashville on Saturday, and then the recent one, a matchup 
Monday night against the San Jose Sharks. So two games to break down for you guys and then two games left to go in the season. And we'll wrap up the Winnipeg Jets campaign at the end of the week next week. Until then, though, enjoy your holiday weekend, whatever you celebrate. Have a great time. Be safe. Have fun with family and friends and all that. And we'll talk to you guys next week. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki with CJOB's Tyson Rewicki. Talk to you guys on Tuesday. Peace.